0: So do you have any favorite country music songs, Brett?
1: Beer for my horses, whiskey for my men, beer for my horses. That's my favorite country song. I don't know. Wow, you had it.
0: that. You had that ready to go.
1: It's I mean, I sang it at my high school graduation party because my parents liked it and my family from the country part of New York was in town and it was like it was about as country as i could get so that's my go-to country karaoke song how about you what's your favorite country song
0: i mean i'll i'll be basic and just say jolene but but anything dolly parton works for me i also like patsy klein walking after midnight uh yeah oh i will always love you again dolly parton can't go wrong yeah. Although I do like the
1: Whitney view version a little bit more, I like the one where the guy plays the devil against uh, with the fiddle and then he wins. That's a good
0: one. Oh yeah, that one, that one. I I think I know the devil went down to Texas, Georgia. right?
1: No, Georgia.
0: uh Devil went down to Mississippi, right? No, Georgia. <laughs> oh no no no! I I he went down to Louisiana.
1: Yeah, and then he got his ass kicked by
0: a bunch of Cajuns. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's get this crawfish boil started. This is Necromancer. Necromancer. My name is she Antoinette Charles-Moore. No, I actually have no middle names, uh, but you I am any? none, wow. uh, but I am truthfully a fan of romantic comedies.
1: My name is Brett Dorman, and I have one middle name. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. Maybe we can make a game out of it. And I'm a fan of horror movies.
0: It's not Antoinette Charles, is it?
1: No, but it does start with an A.
0: (laughs) Yes, and this episode is our continuation of country as a theme. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, it's not my favorite country song, but it just... I Sometimes I just think about the fact that this song exists, but she thinks my tractor's sexy. Mm-hmm. That's that's uh, another country song. Uh, I, I just, why? Uh, but this is, I feel like Southern Comfort is taking us to a different flavor of countryness, because there is just the regular standard... Pickup truck, Daisy Dukes, down by the river, sweet home Alabama style of country. And then there's Cajuns,
1: swamps, and crawfish. And also, I would say weird, babbly Cajun languages. (laughs) I would say the former is what the National Guard is sort of more along the lines of. So you have two different kinds of country. You do have the redneck country versus the cajun country going right right
0: but it's almost like the cajuns uh, the cajuns are pretty chill and the national guard they're like children off their meds
1: yeah i i thought that this was going to be kind of a, a very typical sort of movie where the cajuns were the bad guys and they were picking off the the national guard people one by one because of whatever but like right out of the gate this movie makes it very clear that no the national guard people are the bad guys we are following the bad guys and maybe one or two of these people scattered in the bad guys are going to be people that you kind of like. And hopefully there's going to be enough tension in the movie where you don't know if they're going to make it out or not, because I genuinely did not know who was going to survive this movie.
0: Right. I guess so. I mean, yeah, they, they were your more stereotypical rednecks versus the, the Cajuns, but I, I, I almost felt like they were too stupid to be bad guys. They didn't even know what they were
1: doing half of the time. They didn't know what they were doing, but they knew they shouldn't have been doing it. There's a difference, Sonia. You're right. These were kids, <laughs> but even kids know the difference.
0: So are you saying that Sonia agrees with me?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it... I thought that this movie did a great job of like, like this is a movie about people who just make bad decisions. And this is a movie about like, yeah, it's really, it's, it's really shitty to be a bad person, but it's even shittier to be stuck in a group of bad people. Because I did not think Spencer, I did not think Keith Carradine was a bad guy at all. Like I said, most of his stuff- He said stuff some was, racist stuff. All of that was was sarcastic. All of that was, that's what you think of us, but that's not who we really are. When he talks about hanging people with ropes and calling people N-word, the one black guy in the, I mean, there's two black guys in the group, but one of the black guys in the group says like, oh no, please don't, please not the ropes, missa." and he's like see like we're all friends here we we don't really talk like that we don't like he is very specifically i think like especially as someone who was born in the south and then grew up not in the south like i think that there is a sort of level of like you know, like this is where I come from, but also I don't have to like every bit of it. <laughs> like he's, yeah,
0: I, think... I mean, he's trying to play it cool. He's definitely that stereotype of the Southern gentleman.
1: I would say he's just more of like, I, he's one of the characters that I really like, which is like a very Zen character who takes everything. Easy come, easy go. He does. not Well, his... he's
0: Keith Carradine. I mean, that that's, I mean, he's just cool. Like I he's like I said in the cool. previous hot. episode, Keith Carradine is hot, uh, and he and Powers Booth are definitely the two swinging dicks in the movie, to use Brett language.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if I've ever seen like a Keith Carradine movie before. You know what I mean? I've seen a movie with Keith Carradine in it, usually one where he's older, but yeah, I don't know if he... I've ever seen a Keith Carradine movie. Well, we watched that really
0: weird Keith Carradine movie where he's a guy from a mental institution and he goes to that bar that Leslie Ann Warren owns and then they kind of have a thing and then he also has this thing with this other lady. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it had a really weird opening theme. We saw it at one of Richard Linklater's things.
1: I don't remember that.
0: You've just blocked it out. You're you're having PTSD.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie where they go to the bar and then it's the, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And he, again, plays somebody who's really mysterious and cool where you're kind of not sure, is this guy crazy? Or is everything he's saying about his wild life true and he's just this cool guy?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: But but yeah, I have a a major crush on Keith Carradine outside of this movie. Inside of this movie, I was not that into him or any of the National Guardsmen. Uh, But what brought, I'm curious, what brought you to Southern Comfort?
1: Well, I had to look up horror movies about country because someone thought that country, as in a different country, was country as in the country.
0: Country!
1: I was stuck looking up country horror movies and a lot of them that I was finding. Well, first of all, if you go to Google and you type in horror movies that take place in the country, Google automatically assumes that you want to watch English countryside movies. So like Midsummer and Wicker Man. And-
0: well, I mean, that's still country. Um, or there's a, um, uh, there's a French movie called Frontiers where this guy gets, um, you know, he goes into the French countryside and the villagers do weird things to him.
1: But apparently there's a lot of them that take place in the English countryside. And even after correcting my Google search with American countryside, it still wanted me to look up uh, English countryside. But I found, I don't know what keywords I typed in and I found Southern Comfort. And I think I mistook Southern Comfort for another movie called next of kin and next of kin has powers booth in it but it also Mm. has like a huge cast of all these other great people so i was like you know what i don't think this is a a typical horror type movie but it fits the genre we're very loosey-goosey with our horror terms true So i'm picking it i don't care and i ended up really liking it (laughs)
0: It does kind of remind me of a Kong Skull Island when yes. it's, you know, it's, it's about a company of little green men, little military men who end up where they don't belong against a force of nature that's greater than them and more mysterious. And they are rewarded for their hubris with death.
1: Yeah, and all they have to do to not die is just stop being assholes.
0: That's why... Okay, so you see, for you, this is a selling point for the movie. Them, you know, they're as much of an asshole in the community as Melanie from Sweet Home Alabama, arguably, they're they're just as much of a destructive force in the community. Sure. But is it... Do you like it more because they're ultimately going to get what they deserve? Like if Reese Witherspoon was being shot at by locals, then that would have made Sweet Home Alabama better for you?
1: I, there's there's several different ways that we could approach this. And yes, it's all a bunch of, of adjusting the dials. Yes, mm-hmm. I like this movie because everyone in the movie is an asshole and they all... Bring about their own deaths, and they all get their comeuppance. I don't need comeuppance in a, a rom-com the same way that I need comeuppance in a horror movie. However, yes, either they needed to dial down on the assholeriness of Melanie in 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 um, Sweet Home Alabama, or they needed to show how she became a better person. Over the course, and how she 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 you know how she outgrew her assholeishness, but instead she was just an asshole. They milked they milked her asshole vibe for as much as they could, and then they said, "Well, this is a rom com, so we need a happy ending. We'll just give you a happy ending." Um, I this kind movie of- is specifically about toxic masculinity.
0: Oh, I wrote that in my notes. I totally wrote that in my notes. This movie is a hundred percent about toxic masculinity. I uh, I just got done watching uh, one of the early men versus women seasons of Survivor, like I think the first one that they'd done. But you can really see the influence of what happens. When it's just a group of men measuring each other's dicks, being as stupid as possible and destructive. And it would have taken just one woman to say, I don't think we should blow up that cabin. And they wouldn't have done that.
1: But But there were no women. Well,
0: also, in
1: in that... The women
0: were promised for later.
1: The there were if a woman was there she probably yes would have said hey blowing up a cat this cabin isn't the best idea however if you polled all of those national guardsmen all of them except for maybe two or three would have said blowing up this cabin is clearly a bad idea the guy but did nobody without- said
0: yeah i mean but but also they kind of they let a lot of ridiculous things happen that if a woman had been there would not have happened but i also i also think that this movie would i'm not saying this movie needed a woman it absolutely did not i would have hated it if they would have done that
1: that's not true because (laughs) we know from the movie recently watching aliens that just because you have a woman on the side saying hey guys this is clearly a bad idea doesn't mean everyone's going to listen to it because
0: well, yeah, no, they, I mean, yeah, John Connor's dad wasn't there, so we didn't we didn't get that that uh evolved man take. But also, uh, I mean, yeah, but into, this is uh, definitely about toxic masculinity.
1: But as we get into the movie, like, yeah, there's going to be parts where like they they aren't a family. This is just a group of people who occasionally hang out together because of whatever perks the National Guardsman gives them. And they are all from different walks of life. They all have their different POVs. They all have their different backstories. They all make the bad decisions for the reasons. I mean, I would make- say
0: like only two or three of them have real backstories. The other ones are just, you know. Well,
1: I know people just like Just broad this. strokes. I know people like this. So it's fine for the movie to paint in broad strokes because one, they're all just, cannon fodder at the end of the day anyway they're all just they all exist just to die but two i mean even when when harden says to spencer hey why didn't he, why don't you get this guy under control and he's like what do you want me to do like yeah these people are all fucking crazy but that's the fucking military i the reason why i love this movie is is because unlike other... I'm not really into war movies. And this movie isn't really a war movie, but it is a military movie. But the 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 bad decisions made in this movie are made purely just because of assholes being assholes. And it's, it's not for some greater conspiracy. It's not like, well, we're trying to get into Iraq to get the oil and we're going to tell people that there's WMDs in there. It's like, no we're just gonna take these canoes because fuck the cajun uh natural population or whatever you know what i mean like fuck the people who actually live here we're just gonna take their canoes fuck well them. yeah every
0: every decision stuff what they just they just do some really stupid stuff and there is a point in the movie where powers booth and Keith Carradine turn to each other, and they repeat the plot of the movie, and they're like, "Yeah, I guess that's what we're doing now, or I guess that's what really happened. We're in this situation because one of our men shot his blanks at these Cajuns while we were stealing their boats, and now they're trying to kill us." Whoops! Like what it's can just you do though. I mean, it's just so I. For me, it's very frustrating and it doesn't work for me because it's so thin and it almost feels like I'm watching someone play with toy soldiers and then introducing those toy soldiers to other toy soldiers that just happen to be Cajuns. And yeah, it's...
1: Yeah, I can very specifically relate Sonia and I have have this common language now of like being a driver or a passenger, right? And so Mm -hmm. Sonia is very much a driver when she's in a situation. She likes to be the one who's making the decisions who's doing the things who's holding the remote and who's clicking the buttons and who's who's deciding where things need to go and as a passenger the best thing for me to do is to just sit back and let her do it. And so sometimes if I know there's a better way of doing something, sometimes the best thing for me to do is to just let Sonia make the mistakes that she needs to make so that then she can figure out how to do it. Right. Like if we're looking up something on an app, like, you know, with Apple TV remotes and stuff, there's different shortcuts and there's different things that you can do to make the process faster. I'm not going to butt in and tell Sonia every time, like, hey, this is the fastest way to do it. The fastest way to do it is for her to just do it however she thinks, because she thinks differently than me. If you take that scenario and put it into a National Guard exercise gone wrong, this is about – and military is about drivers and passengers, right? Like the people with the stripes are the drivers. The milit- that's why they often talk about court-martials in this movie because they're like yeah if I do something that's common sense I will be punished for it and and Keith Carradine constantly is saying like hey I or not constantly but there's several points in the movie where I think it's alluded to the fact that he could do a better job but his yeah, he's a natural knows, leader his character knows the best thing to do is just let the other people make their mistakes for a while Because that's what's going to get them there faster. However, because of the clusterfuck of mistakes and the absolute worst group of human beings smushed into a small space or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, this movie is just a powder keg. And this guy is, he's reluctantly on the ride and there's nothing he can do but just watch everything crash and burn around him and to me that is a very nightmarish scenario that i can easily see myself being a part of not to the degree where i'm stuck in a swamp with cajuns trying to kill me but stuck in a scenario where if i say something i'm gonna get in trouble even though i have better ideas of how we could get out and how everything that these people are doing is just making it worse for themselves. Everything that they do just makes it worse. And I it liked did that.
0: It did kind of remind me of a movie like that, that I actually like a lot better is Tucker and Dale versus evil, where everything the college kids do turns out more and more violent or more and more crazy or or makes them even more paranoid that's why i compared the national guardsmen to kids off their meds because they yeah. just are making these just completely dumb and nonsense choices and yeah when you soldiers
1: who are friends right no
0: i under i understand that and i think you make a good point about Here's a movie about the dramatic irony that comes from having people who are unqualified or less qualified in positions of power and people as passengers who should be the ones driving and the people who are driving who should be passengers instead and having to deal with that, that tension of not being able to lead when it's so clear that the people leading are lost, but it wasn't as interesting or um, alluring or enthralling for, for me as it was for you. It was mostly just frustrating or made me feel like I wanted the Cajuns to hurt them even more than they did. Like, I, I thought that we were going to get some really hardcore Cajun justice. But but what happened was, you know, as you said, a little bit more subtle than that. Uh, but let, let's go ahead and get into it before we, we get too deep. So mm-hmm. we've got our squad of nine guys, the Louisiana Army National Guard. Our point of view character is new guy, Powers Booth, Corporal Hardin. He's a cynical transfer from the Texas Army National Guard, and he is not into this company at all. Uh, He wants nothing to do with the prostitutes that uh, Spencer uh, Keith Carradine has lined up, so there are You know, only a handful of women in this movie, but there's a lot of talk about these prostitutes. Everybody is waiting to get into the loving arms of those prostitutes. Uh, And yeah, so he's not into that, but he still hits it off with Spencer. uh, And they basically, like we were saying, they are the two who are the calmest. They know what they're doing. They should be the drivers, but all they can do is watch. Uh, So they set out on a patrol, and they get lost in the swamp, uh, and they come upon this campsite with these canoes, uh, and they decide that they need the canoes, but they already are making the biggest mistake just taking these Cajun canoes, and they leave a note, but, you know, I... I wouldn't feel predisposed to a car thief who leaves a note and is like, yeah, we're the national guard. We just really needed your car, bud. Um, But to make matters worse, as they are, are setting off across the river, Stucky, the, I guess, Joker of the group, the, the Matthew Lillard of the gang decides to fire a bunch of blanks at the Cajuns who react as if they're really being fired at, because yeah. from their perspective, they are. Uh, and then they return fire, and they kill Poole, the commanding officer, uh, which just, at this point, the squad completely loses it. They fall right off the... Can, they just completely lose their damn minds. They fall You're off just- the canoes. They just... Every everything that could go wrong goes
1: wrong. This reminds me a little bit of The Hitcher in terms of they 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 give you the premise and then immediately lean into the premise and then spend the rest of the movie kind of like playing around with the craziness of one upping every 10 minutes there's there's one more on one up ship in terms of the craziness of the premise i think the hitcher does it super fantastically but this movie has that kind of vibe where at the, at the beginning of the hitcher they're like hey rucker Hauer, crazy fucking road trip serial killer guy fuck yeah and like the first thing he does is he holds the knife up to to the guy's throat and is like beg me to kill you And then in this movie, the very first thing that happens is the leader of the troop gets killed and then the rest of the troop freaks the fuck out. Like that to me, I was not, I I knew that Poole was going to die, but I did not expect him to die right then and there and just throw the immediate balance of everything off because I was like yeah that's obviously what's going to happen but to happen so fast so suddenly to happen right away and then watch the dominoes fall after that uh, was so satisfying
0: you see is so much more satisfying for you than it was for me I just I I was like okay well now, now the predicted result has occurred for them acting like jackasses, and yeah. then the result is to act like jackasses even more. Uh, and now that we've got commanders dead, who's in charge but Casper, this little Weasley guy who doesn't even look like he should be in the National Guard. Uh, he just, but he's. He is a very by-the-book guy. He's the risk assessor, but he has no practical knowledge. Uh, And he orders the squad to continue their mission when, I mean, really, they should have retreated, but they lost their compass and the map in the river, and they didn't even—I just—
1: they're just so incompetent. Like,
0: I, I'm into competence.
1: At that point, they're deep in the woods. They don't know which way is which.
0: Right. But it's just the, the for me, it's not that exciting. For, for me, competence is exciting. Competence porn excites me, not incompetence.
1: Incompetence does movie not excite is a me. Movie. That's why this movie is a horror movie. Could you imagine being stuck with like, seven other people who are just making terrible decisions and you, you can't do anything about it. Oh, I thought this was a great horror movie. Cause even my dad, my mom, Sonia, they were all like, this is not a horror movie. I was like, this is, this it is, is a thriller.
0: Movie. It is a thriller, but I was expecting more, you know, like the, like what's that movie where Dustin Hoffman and his wife are pursued oh, by yeah. Southerners that like dog days or whatever um or straw dogs dog days English countryside (laughs) oh it's the English straw dogs is English yep interesting but but yeah I was expecting more straw dogs strangers um I mean I guess nothing can be really on that Texas chainsaw level of just the locals coming after you um but but they are being jackasses they kind of deserve everything um but we learned that
1: but Spencer does not
0: Ugh. I mean Spencer maybe harden definitely not I I think Harden I can't believe you're this much against
1: Spencer. Wow. No, I'm not.
0: Again, I'm not against Keith Carradine. I just yes, think that are. Spencer was kind of a jackass. I He's love nothing. Keith
1: Carradine. <laughs> I don't think he was. I completely related to him. And I loved the part the, the the moment where the movie shifted from me because I do agree that the movie did turn out different than I thought. It it started different than I thought and ended different than I thought. You're right. This movie did do a lot of things, didn't do a lot of things that I thought it could have done, and did do a lot of things that I at first didn't know why it did. However, the scene that got me 100% on board was when Spencer broke down how completely fucked they are in terms of backup, when he's like, yeah, listen, we're not even supposed to be there until 2, and then 20 minutes after that is when the trucks will show up, And then they'll go to the bar and then an hour after that they'll start to get worried and then an hour after that they'll bring it up and then an hour after that they'll actually bring it to their superiors and then they'll decide it's too dark to do anything so really we're on our own until the morning like just the way he breaks down that logical (laughs) way of how he's great
0: he and he and Powers Booth are the ones that I least I was least annoyed by them. Um, but but speaking of annoying people, Fred Ward, who also makes an appearance as Reese Witherspoon's yeah. dad in Sweet Home, Alabama, turns out that he brought some live ammo with him. So, and Hardin Powers Booth is like, "No, I can't let this hothead." handle this live ammo and he takes it from him by force by holding up a knife to Fred Ward's neck. So already the toxic masculine males are butting the heads of their dicks, swinging them around and hitting each other in the face. Uh, and nobody likes it. Everybody's mad. Uh, so they reach this shack of this one-armed Cajun man who's not named. He speaks only French, but I guess he speaks Cajun or he speaks Creole. Just, it, just one of those incomprehensible dialects of that area. Uh, and Casper, the, the dumb Weasley guy who shouldn't even be a leader to begin with, decides he's going to take this guy captive for no reason. They they take because him captive.
1: Because he's the one who shot pool. How do we know that? Well, we don't know. As Keith Carradine says, like, you just fucking picked up the first Cajun guy you saw.
0: Right, right. That's exactly what it is. He just picked up literally the first Cajun he saw and decided that, that that's the guy. Uh, and now we find out that there's another Cracker Jack, numskull in the company. Uh, Bowden, Bowden, who just decides to go just full Colonel Kurtz, goes right into the cabin, paints his chest with a red cross, walks away from the cabin as he lights the TNT inside, and is just like, I had to do it for revenge. And like you were saying, Powers Booth is telling Spencer... This guy's crazy. Why won't anybody do anything about him? And Spencer says, "Well, what the hell am I supposed to do?"
1: Yeah, he's not in charge. What's he gonna do? And I think there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of repressed issues there too with Bowden. I think earlier in the movie they were talking about when they were talking about the prostitutes. They made a gay joke with Bowden, and Bowden snapped and then he's talking about how he uh... really liked pool. He really really liked pool and stuff. So I think maybe that there was some subtext there or something. But it's yeah, it's it's this repressed southern guy who's got all these fucking crazy issues that then they explode in very physical testosteroney ways. Like I don't know, man. I can definitely If 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 Sweet Home Alabama is sort of along those lines of like not like the other girls, right? <laughs> like maybe this is like not like the other boys. Like cuz I I grew up very not testosterone I'm I'm not a very strong person. I mean, I was pretty decent at some of the sports that required like cardio, like soccer and stuff, but like I but I yeah, I had I had that toxic masculinity type I, I was a part of that growing up you know I had that
0: so did you ever blow up someone's shack and paint your
1: chest red no I completely turned into Keith Carradine man <laughs> I that's why I loved his character so much in this movie was just the amount of relatableness I could find in him was just like Again, my the level of of masculinity, toxic masculinity stuff I grew up with was not. I mean, it was dialed down for sure. But yeah, I can relate to that. To that idea of like, yeah, there's a guy who's just gonna go fucking nuts, and you can't do anything, man. In fact, this isn't a movie about watching everyone else get their comeuppance brought upon them. This is a this is watching a movie where seven people. Our seven assholes are going to get two good people killed and that tension of of I honestly thought by the end of the movie I was like I have no idea what's going to happen and I really 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 did not want Keith Carradine to die I did not think he deserved it I didn't think a lot of these people deserved it as much as they got but I was also like man you brought you, you guys brought it upon yourself I know I know now I'm starting to go in circles but just like they no, are in this
0: spot. Yeah. I, I had no sympathy for anyone except for Spencer and Harden. They were really yeah. the only two worth rooting for. And even then I wasn't I wasn't really rooting for anyone. I just oh uh, God, they just kept making such frustrating decisions for me. So they again they just keep walking around in circles and then they hear these dogs they think maybe they're going to get rescued but oops no it's the cajuns and their rottweilers attack
1: them that was the one part of the movie because i really can come up with an excuse for everything else in the movie i can i can justify everything that happens in this movie from a removed point of view of ah you know what i did like this movie but when everyone on the team is like, "Oh yeah, I hear dogs barking. That must be a good sign." Even I was like, "Okay, this is just a little come too on, cringy. guys. <laughs> this is just a little too cringy." Not one of them was like, hmm, "Maybe we should be scared of these aggressive, mean hunting dogs that are trained to attack."
0: Yeah, that was that was rough for them. Uh and then I think the one black guy gets impaled by a booby trap. He gets speared.
1: Yeah, by uh, a Rambo trap.
0: By a Rambo trap, and then they camp out. Uh Bowden gets further mentally disturbed. Like if we
1: oh. Also, I do like the humor of this movie. The movie does have some genuinely good like satirical type humor because they make a huge deal out of carrying Pool around and then
0: And then they like, bury
1: him after the second guy dies. But then yeah the second guy dies and they're like, well fuck it, we're not carrying two of them around. <laughs> like I like I the editing in that is really sharp because they just cut from dead guy to two graves. I thought But that no one
0: no one had to die. No Cajuns had to be harmed. No guardsmen had to die. All they had to do was not steal canoes. Just some damn stolen canoes. Or or they could have even gotten away with stealing the canoes and being cheeky if they hadn't decided, you know, if... But I'm also surprised. Okay, they. here.
1: First of all, you keep saying they, and it's not a democracy. The military is not a but democracy. But nobody
0: is mad at Stucky. Pool
1: doesn't get mad at Stucky. What, what Casper good, what doesn't does get, get mad do at Stucky. Mad at someone that is nobody.
0: Not...
1: I don't know, man. I don't know. He's
0: the one that got
1: them into it. What? Why didn't Reese Witherspoon just get a divorce thirty years ago? because it's josh why lucas rid, why are you gonna get rid of the inciting incident of your movie and and throw the entire <laughs> movie out before it even starts i told you i told you when we were doing sweet home alabama i was like i was ready for the movie to end here <laughs> and you you were ready for this movie to end
0: it just didn't uh, it's like early. all the all the things that excited you made me mad and and that's but not the movie's fault
1: you're supposed to be mad, but dealing I don't with know. a bunch of men is a is, is an angry. It's a it's a maddening prospect. Dealing with it a is. group of nine military men is a maddening. Yeah,
0: there's just there's too many swinging dicks and so we have to tie bowden's down he gets tied up just like their uh their one-armed hostage and then the next morning fred ward decides to give the cage in a swamp swirly and powers booth doesn't like that uh so we get into a knife fight i really like that powers booth was holding up the gun and Fred Ward had the knife, and then Powers Booth was like, fuck it. And yeah. then he threw the gun down, and they got into a knife fight. And then the Cajun guy is like, kill him, kill him.
1: <laughs> yeah, at first the Cajun guy's like, what the fuck? And then he's like, kill him. Too late, too late. And they're like, yeah, man. <laughs>
0: I also like that when they see the eight rabbits that are symbolically meant to be them, they ask the Cajun, they're like, what are these? And he's like, lapi, it's a rabbit. Uh (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the Cajun is is ringside for the Fred Ward-Powers Booth fight. Uh, Powers Booth takes a stab to the shoulder or the arm, but he still kills Fred Ward. And again, no one's really mad about it. They're kind of like, uh, Spencer's like, yeah, I know Fred Ward was a bit of an asshole. So we now have three grave markers. And as they're leaving the scene, you well, get, also, the, again, you get Stucky the real- putting his helmet on the last one.
1: Yeah, it was nice. Even though Stucky's an asshole. And yes, it is his, re- it is his fault that this whole thing started. But I liked when uh, Spencer talked to to casper about just letting the cajun go where he's like hey maybe if we just let this cajun go they're gonna leave us all alone and he's like no we're taking them in and then after um after fred ward dies then like spencer goes up to casper and he's like oh look at that the cajun left like oh we probably could have avoided all this by just doing what i said we wouldn't have a dead Fred Ward because they wouldn't be fighting over whether or not they should be drowning him. Like,
0: <laughs> Right, right. It's humor. just guess, just silliness all around. Silliness all around. And then finally we see the helicopter and yeah. the soldiers t- try to signal it. Uh, and then Stucky, who just is just, he's so excited by the helicopter, he dies the way he lived completely lacking awareness <laughs> and he falls into a uh, quicksand yeah
1: Yep. goodbye uh, Stucky. i mean it goodbye. really sucked to have to watch him go in like that like i don't think that would be a good death at all but at the same time shit fuck i mean don't be an asshole don't be an idiot like just don't Every time you have a thought, just don't do it. Stucky, you idiot.
0: Oh, God. So they go they of course have to split up and find Stucky, and that involves uh okay, Casper. Uh he goes off looking for the Cajuns uh and he and sims seem to come upon the cajuns and casper wants to be the hero so he tells sims to run away and then he throws a grenade at the cajuns but of course the cajuns get them in their sights and they just shoot him full of holes sims didn't run away he gets he didn't killed run away too. far
1: enough yeah yeah well, definitely also, yeah, not far enough where, where casper it's, it's a very Vietnam criticism type moment of like, this is the heroic moment of the movie. This is the movie where the by the books guy finds it within his guts to do the manly thing and charge the enemy and let his fellow soldiers escape. But all that happens is he gets mowed down, they shoot Stucky and they keep going after the other three. So like his sacrifice is 100% in vain and it is his decision to do it because he thinks this is what the military says is like this is what makes you a hero and so he tries to be a hero but he just fucking dies for no reason
0: he he really does and and yeah it it was very easy for me to go score cajuns uh Because he just was so inept and so frustrating. So now we're down to three. Spencer, Harden, and Bowden. And Spencer and, and Harden have a little chit-chat. We learn that Harden is a happily married man. Uh, and he wants to make it out. So does Spencer. I like the little, she has a, I said she has a sense of humor, but I don't when spencer suggests that he'll he'll go say hey to harden's widow if he doesn't make it out
1: i did like that too yeah uh
0: yeah no one bright spot in a in a movie that i again this is just one of those times where oh god this was not a movie made for me uh but morning comes and surprise Bowden is actually hanging from some train train tracks, we found out that the guys were sleeping right next to the train tracks. They were so close to being where they needed to be. Yeah. And here we go. One armed Cajun appears on the tracks, and in English, he warns Spencer and Hardin to leave the Cajuns' territory. He gives them directions on how to escape the bayou, since uh, they saved him from getting uh, assaulted by Sims and Reese earlier. The Cajun remembers
1: that these two were not dicks it's clear now that he does understand English and he can speak English. He just choosing, he was choosing not to, but that means that the entire time that Spencer and Hardin were like, Hey, everything we're doing seems like a really bad idea. that Cajun was taking note and going, you know, if there are two of these guys that I could let go, it would probably be these.
0: He's Cajun Santa Claus and he has a naughty or nice list and they are on the nice list uh and they follow his advice but when they get to the dirt road i think that the cajun was like keep heading west uh or something like that or stay to the west side and they get to this car which from what i can tell seems to be heading back deeper into the bayou rather than yeah. out of it you know if it were me again I guess for me, I don't get as much entertainment out of being a passenger when I want to be the driver. And if I were the driver here, fuck getting into that car. I'm going in the opposite direction where that car came from, out of the bayou, onto a road that's actually paved.
1: Uh, It might be a while before you find one, though.
0: But but they they decided to to get on the back of this truck and the truck takes them into a Cajun village where we're having a good old time playing Zydeco, boiling crawfish, dancing around, and and Spencer's kind of feeling it, but Powers Booth is not. Uh, and we see that the killers have come up to the party in the. The original inciting canoes. The canoes are back, and they're back in the right hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now Harden decides that he wants to get ahead of them, but they corner him in a shed, and this guy with a really great full mustache, just a a fantastic mustache,
1: really top of the line mustache. (laughs)
0: top of the line mustache tom Selleck would weep Mm -hmm. uh he shoots harden but then uh spencer comes on the scene just in time he shoots his blanks at the cajun and then we have a little chaser little scooby-doo chase around the shed where spencer gets the best of the cajuns and he and harden run away and they managed to make it up to the helicopter and incoming truck just in time to be saved. And the movie just freeze frames there. I kind of was rooting for a bummer ending. You you mentioned that you really wanted Spencer to live, but I kind yes. of wanted them all to die.
1: I did not want them to die. Powers Booth, I, I was resigned to him probably dying um, at some point in the movie, but I wanted Spencer to live for sure. And I do again. Yeah. I like the idea that these are people who just signed up for whatever, we don't need to know whatever reason people sign up for the national guard. are, right? Like they signed up for the national guard thinking that they were just gonna do a little bit of, of silly stuff. And then they came out of this routine exercise completely traumatized with severe ptsd and so again i just like that military aspect of this is just this movie is built upon the jenga tower of bad decisions that is the military so that now that we are watching it fall down we're going like yeah no wonder like yeah man the like i don't know
0: <laughs> this movie is very good at criticizing the military and showing why masculinity in such concentration is just toxic
1: but the military yeah it's like there's there's no one evil bad guy in this movie to point to and say these are these this is the reason why everything is bad it's just saying There's no one to blame in this movie, which is what I kind of like about it. Actually,
0: I think it's pretty easy to uh, blame Stucky.
1: (laughs) Well, no, yeah, it's easy to blame all those people for, for once the shit goes down for, yes, all the bad decisions they made on top of bad decisions. But there's no one really to blame in terms of the military itself because what the military is is just let's get a bunch of people together and give them guns and say good luck. Like, that's really all it is, is just, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much orderness you have. Like, yeah, they have a a level of way things should be done, but that disappears very quickly (laughs) into the movie. And so, I just, yeah, I like how this is very anti-military without being specifically anti, without making any one person the ultimate bad guy it's just a bunch right. of bad decisions and again I can very much relate to the horror of being trapped with a bunch of people who think they know best a I
0: think bunch of
1: dudes that's America right now right especially in the south yeah a bunch of
0: a bunch of really old decisions. dudes who think they know best and yeah making terrible decisions that's the Texas state government <laughs> right there uh yeah. Oh, also
1: just one one tiny little last thing just in terms of I think this movie does a really good job with giving you character through action and and backstory like giving you hints of backstory because Harden says he's from El Paso and then later when he holds the knife up to the guy's throat to Fred Ward's throat Spencer says, "Oh, did you learn that or is that how they do things in El Paso?" and Powers Boo says That's how they do things where I come from. And I think that that is a very specific designation that is him saying, I didn't learn that from the military, from being stationed in El Paso. I learned that from growing up in the country, Texas countryside, and having a family that, like, that's why he doesn't want to be with these people. Because he knows these people. He tried to leave these people. Like all of that backstory, I think you could pick up from Power's Booth. Like, I think this is a much more subtly acted film on his end and um, in Keith Carradine's end. Even well, that's because though, they're so good. Right. Even though, yes, this movie is dealing with a bunch of characters and cartoon characters and one dimensionalities, I think that the one de- the, the even though this movie has a bunch of one dimensional characters in it, I think that's by design. And I think that that's to the movie's benefit. Um, Yeah, but I I do. I I can also, being a huge proponent for this movie and liking this movie a lot more than I thought I would, I will have to say pretty much everything you're saying is true. And the movie does feel very awkward. And there are a couple points in the movie where you're like, ah, this probably is about, you know, a a few minutes longer than it needs to be. (laughs) Or i i get you it's a very weird clunky movie um right
0: i mean i i don't know it just it didn't quite work for me i'm not the target audience for this movie
1: yeah and the guy who did it wrote and directed it right co-wrote and directed it walter hill did a little movie everyone knows called the warriors warriors
0: warriors
1: I got to say, I'm not a fan of the Warriors. I've I've tried watching the Warriors like three times. I cannot get into that movie. So I get it.
0: (laughs) Well, he also did 48 Hours and Brewster's Millions. And uh, yeah, he's uh, Walter Hill, I think is the director's name. He's got a few things under his belt. Uh, So, I mean, I, I don't think that this movie is lacking in sort of cinematic gravitas Mm -hmm. if you will it's just not appealing to me as somebody who doesn't have a dick to swing around i i don't the i don't resonate with it as much for me
1: it's more just
0: frustrating (laughs) to deal with toxic masculinity
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm 100 on that camp But there is such a thing as to deal with.
0: I mean, there is such a thing as toxic femininity. I think a great example of that would be if you see the Love Witch, where this woman is just almost suffocating in her femininity and her just desire to completely dominate other people in a way that's particularly feminine. but uh gotta ask the question i think i know the answer but gotta ask who'd you have a crush on spencer spencer all the way
1: i loved him (laughs) i want to go out of my way to watch more keith carony movies
0: oh he's so sexy i think for that reason
1: alone you should watch more i thought he was great in this yeah i loved him
0: I'd say oh, yeah. i have I have a crush on Keith Carradine just in real life in general, uh but in this movie, I kind of like the one armed man. I thought he was cool,
1: yeah, you know who the one armed man was, Brian James, who is also Leon from Blade Runner, and he's the the goofy sidekick military guy to the president in the fifth element, oh, yeah. So he's been around, he's
0: done, he's done some things. Uh, So last episode, we'd mentioned that our movies were elevator pitches and I called mine a, a two floor elevator pitch. Uh, How about this week? Did you have any luck creating a rom-com from Southern Comfort?
1: No, not really. I, um, I I've got a little bit more details to go through, but it's, it's, a uh... It's a rough one. It's a rough one.
0: Yeah, mine's pretty rough as well. I I think I I got a little bit more in there than I did for my uh, (laughs) mad mayor's sweet home Alabama horror, but but not much more.
1: Uh, Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, do you want me to go first on the horror? Yeah, sure. Or, I mean... Or on your rom-com version of this? Oh, right. On the the rom-comified horror. Um, Yes. So mine is going to... Once again, I just went with Southern Comfort. I have Spencer and Hardin are two main heroes. And they are from two different schools of military or whatever. Um, And so they both are... In charge of getting their group to the finish first, right? So this is a routine military exercise takes place in the swamps of Louisiana, Cajun country, and these guys have to be the first one to get their team to the finish because then they get whatever they get. They get a, a extra week of R and R or something. So their group really wants it, right? And so their teams are. We'll say we'll say Harden is in charge of the super smart team. And Spencer's the brains, the brains, and Spencer is in charge of the wild cards, right? The group of misfits. And so, what's the very first thing that happens is hijinks, shenanigans, mishaps. I'm thinking there could be like an evil military guy behind the scenes who's trying to fuck things over on purpose because th- there's probably people behind the scenes betting on who's going to come in first and stuff. And so, Spencer and Harden's teams their equipment gets swapped and Spencer and Harden get removed from the scenario. So they get somehow their truck gets flipped and then they pass out. So right away, like one minute into this military exercise, shit goes wrong. Stuff starts blowing up. The, The whole military thing is, is exploding like the base camp. And so Harden and Spencer disappear. Meanwhile, their groups are now separated without their team leaders and with swapped equipment. So, along the the movie, we're going to check in on the teams as they try to go to the finish line. Harden's team, the the super smart people are going to do things in very logical ways. So, they're going to each they're going to each very respectfully pitch themselves as the leader. And then once they, you, once they decide on a leader, they're going to break down the equipment and research what the equipment does, test it out. They're, they're constantly going to be on the move. So they're never in the same place for more than however long they need to be. And so we get the sense that this is a, very, this is a group of very capable people who are taking very logically funny ways to decide on the best way to make it through the swamp right so where's the romance well let's we'll get to it so then the, the spencer team is in complete chaos they not only do they not have a leader they don't know who should be leader none of them wants to be leader none of them is willing to do it and they don't know what any of their equipment does so they have to figure it out so we pretty much as the other team is advancing like steadily the whole time this team is stuck in the same spot the whole entire movie up until we get to the payoff while their teams are doing that we we hang out with spencer and harding so what are they doing well they get separated so they wake up inside a cajun town they've been nursed back to health by the cajun people and then they are they are given an escort mission everyone loves those escort missions right they have to escort a cajun boy across the swamp, for whatever reason, right? And so-
0: Maybe he's going to school, like he got yeah. a scholarship and he needs to make it to New Orleans or something.
1: Yeah, I like that. We can we can work that in. And But he's also got, even though he's very smart, he's got a very thick Cajun drawl, so no one can understand him. So we got that comedy in there as well. But I'm going to go through five quick scenarios of how these guys go from being- not on the same team to slowly working towards being on the same team, right? First, they've got to go on a rowboat. However, they're both rowing too fast or they're rowing on the opposite sides or the same side. So they're going in circles and they're, they're arguing over how they should get there, who should be rowing at what speed. So then the swamp boy takes out his harmonica or something, and he starts doing a little song. And then because of the pacing of the song, The two men are able to sing the song together and start rowing in rhythm, and they actually do start making progress, right? So it's better to work together than to argue and be working against each other. When it comes to food, they both eat their crappy uh, rations and then they both get sick. So then, while they're sick, the Cajun boy has to go find some herbs to feed them to make them better. Um, And so, while they're talking, while they're sick, They're talking to each other about, like, foods that their moms used to make and foods from their childhood. And so they're bonding together over all of these foods. Green bean casserole. How did you know that, (laughs) name? And then um, they're walking very aggressively through this swamp, and they find that they've marched right into an alligator's den. And so then they have to work together to keep the alligator distracted. So that they can leave the den, but then of course along the way they find baby alligators, so then they have to like work together to make sure the babies get back to the mom, and then the mom alligator is like, thank you. You know, however they do it in rom-com movies to make alligators nice instead of me. Um Wait, but
0: where are the smooches?
1: Well, they're 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 not romantically involved. Yes. so they. Oh, but they're getting they're, there. They're, they're, they're learning to just appreciate each other's company, despite the fact that they are working together to get to the same place, even though one of them can win, right? So uh-huh. the place that the boy needs to get to is pretty much the same place they need to get to. So they need to work together to get there, but also only one of them can win, and they have to win for their teammates, right? Because otherwise their teammates will be mad at them. So then we have a campfire and they each build their own little campfire hastily and so they try to get it to burn the tallest but then an hour later both of their campfires have basically dwindled down into nothing because building a good campfire isn't about building the biggest, baddest, brightest one it's about building a good one that will work together to get you through the night so then the boy of oh so then they get separated from the boy and then they have to use these like firefly lightning bugs to find their way, and the way to do that is, I don't know. They have to like work together to use a vine to whip up some fireflies to light the way for them, and whatever. It's magic and it's cute and it's very romantic because fireflies at night, very romantic, very sparkly. Got to get them agreed. Sweet home Alabama sparkles in there. Uh and then lastly, like right as they're about to go on the last leg of their mission, they get one of those little hover boat things, right? Those little swamp boats, but the boat doesn't work. So then they have to work together by singing the song that they learned earlier from the Cajun Boy to fix up the thing. And of course the Cajun boy's on a time limit. So essentially what they have to do is they have to build, they have to fix this boat to get the boy to the finish line so that he can go on to college. And as they're doing it they're they're now arguing over who's going to go on the boat with the boy so that they can be the winner so now they're both trying to make the other person the winner ah oh, they're trying to and be the then, bigger person right and then it turns out boom they each think they tricked the other person they hit go on the boat the boat starts taking off towards the thing but then they realize they're both still back hanging back they're both still where they started so neither one of them was on the boat they're both were wrong they're both left behind so now either they're both gonna have to race through the swamp to get to the end or they both decide to hold each other's hands and walk into the swamp and become swamp people and live happily ever after together forever so they belma and they they go off into the wilderness and they abandon the military and they, they decide to just live for themselves. And that way they don't have to have the military tell them who's their friend and who's not their friend. They just get to be best friends with each other forever. And if you want to throw some masculine bearded smoochin' mustache rubbing in there together, then we can do that. That's fine.
0: Make Powers Booth and <laughs> Keith Carradine kiss
1: uh but then, yeah the yeah. military the military calls it a draw both teams get their r&r it's a happy ending for everybody the kid gets to go to college yeah so that's southern comfort the rom-com and, and you didn't away. change the name i did not no
0: fair enough fair enough yeah How i like you? that they enter the swamp and become swamp
1: people Yeah. I mean, that's clearly, right? Like, you can take the, yeah. What you can stage? take the
0: swamp thing yeah. out of the swamp, but you can't, uh, yeah. Uh
1: <laughs> they said that in Sweet Home Alabama about you can take the honky tonk out of the woman. Oh, it was just like, again, that's a joke that could have worked, but I felt that the execution was just so wrong that it was like, you don't have to do it just to do it. But Yeah, I yeah. think that's fair. I think I'm that's fair. To hear about your pitch and how you're going to make these mean. So uh,
0: I called this one. Uh, I, I, you know what I did? I latched on to the two lines about the whorehouse, and then I was like, "All right, yeah. take me there." Uh, so mine is called "Sweeter Than Sugar," um. uh, and it also takes place in the swamp. Maybelline is the most beautiful prostitute at Mama Lou's Chicken Ranch in rural Louisiana. Um, But she has given up the life because she's fallen in love with local National Guardsman Spencer, who has asked her to marry him. Everything seems like it's going to be hunky-dory but then Spencer insists that he has to ask Maybelline's Cajun parents for permission to marry her because he's a Southern gentleman. Uh Uh, And Maybelline warns him not to because she's got a bunch of brothers who hate everyone who isn't Cajun, and they will hurt him if he comes onto their Cajun land. Spencer, though, is like, no, 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 I got to do this. Uh, So then, of course, he gets held hostage by the Cajuns
1: of course you
0: you thought i'd leave that out no uh and because his national guard unit is filled with children off their meds they just assume the worst uh so maybelline she's freaking out because the whorehouse they need the guardsmen to ching uh and the guardsmen well they need hence they need spencer because spencer's their connection to the whores uh and she needs to get out of this ring or she just she needs to get out of this situation she wants that ring on her finger she wants to go back with city boy spencer to new orleans and get out of this rural swamp um so then she turns to her only hope which is her reclusive one-armed (laughs) ex-boyfriend remy who lives alone in the swamp pining for her sure and i i the the one-armed man does not have a name in uh the southern comfort movie he's just the trapper uh right. but i looked up cajun boy names i found remy and i was like that sounds extra cajun yeah damn so,
1: it remy lebeau
0: i also looked up Uh, Gambit's name and I'm like oh he's named Remy too so it must be right Uh, so yeah Remy agrees to get Spencer back he only asks for one thing in return a kiss you see smooches you gotta have smooches Uh, so we get an A plot which is Remy and Maybelline reconnecting as as they go looking for Spencer among the Cajuns talking about their dreams and what have you The plot is Spencer and Melanie's or sorry, not Melanie, uh, Maybelline. Her name is Maybelline in this version and her brothers. And we'll say that some of the comedy is Spencer getting Stockholm Syndrome, like the Cajun brothers are trying to see if he can hang with the Cajuns. And so Spencer just goes full tilt on the Cajun stuff, which, yeah. you know, Maybelline is not into that. Uh, so it's it's kind of a mistake. And then the C plot, I have a C plot. Of course I do. Uh, is the National Guardsmen just being idiots and doofuses. Oh, so sure. all of our plot lines then come to a head at the... Uh, Because this is a country rom com, we have the Cajun crawfish festival. (laughs) Of course, the the Cajun village has to have a crawfish festival. It's not a country rom com without some kind of rural festival. You have to have it. Like I think that the Sweet Home Alabama had like the like peaches or acorns or whatever festival. Yeah, Uh, but so. We get the resolution where the National Guardsmen learn, hey, these Cajuns aren't bad. Spencer's okay. And they, you know, learn how to have fun. Uh Spencer and Maybelline obviously end their engagement. And then Remy and Maybelline have a big sexy kiss and run away together. And that's it.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a good rom com
0: and um, there's just going to be it's going to be filled with zydeco music just like an obscene oh, sure. and obnoxious uh-huh. amount of zydeco music
1: there has to be
0: has to be sweeter than
1: sugar <laughs> yeah a writers room could have a blast with that movie
0: oh yeah i i mean i i think that that we are definitely missing the uh, the hallmark cajun christmas I I want them to do one that's Cajun-themed. That would be great. Out in the yeah. Bayou. Broken Hearts Bayou. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's got to be a movie. But yeah.
0: Loved Bayou. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will stop myself before I get any further. And this is where I remind you that you should be subscribed to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Write a review, please. Rate us and follow us on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can email us at necromancerpodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get into some tasty love bites.
1: Well... I'm sure you're familiar with something called The Odd Couple, right? Sure. Sure. So The Odd Couple, Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, everyone knows about it. There are two people who shouldn't belong together that are are forced together. What if I told you I watched a movie this weekend called Just Odd Couple? No, The Just Odd Couple. Just odd couple. Just odd couple. This movie has zero Jack Lemons in it. It has zero Walter Mathows in it. However, it does have Sam O'Hung in it and it does have Lao Car Wing in it. And oh. Lao Car Wing and Sam O'Hung play an odd couple. And what their odd couple is, is that this is like a, a let, let me look up to see when it actually, I think it's 79. Um, this is a 79 chop martial arts movie and it um, it's got sam hung who a lot of people would probably know because he grew up with jackie chan at the opera house he graduated from the same place so he's very he's he's a great martial artist um, oh, so
0: he came from the same camp where they abused children into being great acrobats
1: Yes, he was abused into being a fantastic acrobatist. Yes, precisely. And so, um, Sam Oh Hung plays the king of the spears in in Martin. In Chinese martial arts, there's two divisions of weapons. There's the close range and the long range weapons, and there's nine of each. And the king of the close range weapons is the spear, or is the sword and the king of the long-range weapon is the spear. And so what this is, is this is a movie about two masters who are friends, and they're trying to find out who is the best martial artist weapons master, because there can only be one, but they can't beat each other up because they're friends. So, they're the, so what they do is they each find an apprentice to take on their training for them, and then ah. those apprentices are going to fight. However, the whole movie, I mean, if you want to talk about how Sweet Home Alabama doesn't have a lot of good hijinxing set up and, and payoffs. no, this, oh, this is, is heavy? This movie is 100% hijinx. There is no plot to the movie. The entire plot to the movie is everyone else thinks someone is someone else, and someone else tells them that they should do this, and then they start fighting. Um the whole movie is just fighting but it has got to be especially the final fight scene it's got to be some of the most impressive fight scenes i've seen in it, ever <laughs> this movie is unbelievable it's fast-paced it's funny it's funny on purpose it's a little bit funny on accident the the dubbing is all over the place um the quality is not that great like i they could really use the blu-ray transfer or something but the martial arts in this movie, Sammo Hung's spear work is flawless. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I loved it. Um, So yeah, if you're a martial arts fan, it's a little bit hard to find. I had to find it on YouTube. And even then, I'm not so sure I found the entire movie. So there's only one place to buy the DVD. I've got that coming to me. But there's a bunch of just regular fight scenes on YouTube of Odd Couple. Odd couple Sam O'Hung. Yeah. How about you? What's your love by?
0: Well, sticking to the country theme. I recently listened to Dolly Parton's autobiography, Song Teller. Uh, And I would highly recommend it to anybody who is a fan of Dolly Parton or would love to learn more about her. She's basically the patron saint of country and, you know, the mother of the Moderna vaccine. So you might as well bow down to the queen uh, and find out what she's all about. Uh, and then, if you end up liking Songteller, you can watch her mini series, Heartstrings, on uh, Netflix, where they bring Dolly Parton's songs to life. I would say that Heartstrings, I appreciate what it's trying to do a lot more than the finished product. But if you yeah. read Songteller, uh, or listen to Dolly because I mean, you might if Dolly is reading it, you should just yeah. listen to it. There's no reason to to read it instead, uh, but you can find out about the heart and the intention behind her work and her storytelling through song uh, enough to make it it pretty compelling. Uh, so yeah, Dolly Parton's Songteller. That's what I'd recommend.
1: Very nice. Yeah, all I hear about are all the great things Dolly Parton does.
0: Oh yeah, she is truly (laughs) the antithesis of the uh the sort of the stereotype of the the selfish billionaire like Jeff Bezos. He's going into space, she's making vaccines.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Good
0: for Dolly. Good for Dolly. Oh and speaking of romance, Dolly been with the same dude, Carl. For over fifty years. He stays out of the spotlight. She stays in it. Perfect marriage.
1: She's got it all figured out.
0: So does Carl. <laughs> all right. Well that is all for today. How would Cajun Big Daddy Mars sign us off, Brett?
1: Um <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like a French phrase that I can. Devolve into gibberish. Sacre bleu! Sacre bleu! That was a good one.